I'll turn this on now. <laughs> All right, Ash, we're now recording. So be prepared. <laughs> Are there rules on this? Uh, I mean, just don't curse too much because Matt's got to go back and delete them out. I, I'm, I'm sure my news resolution is to stop swearing. Oh, cool. It's not going well. All right. Well, do your best. That's all we can ask. Yeah. And actually, I don't give a shit if you don't do your best. Cobb, how many emails we got in there? Um, we missed a week. Dude, there was a couple. I want to say like uh, five or six, something like that. All right. So we'll do the intro. Uh, Let's just do our regular style. Yeah, we'll do the intro. I'll intro you. Then I'll bring up a topic of conversation, and then, uh, I don't know. I figured with you in here, we'll have a couple good stories. <laughs> yeah, seems simple enough. Yeah, for sure. Good day. You are listening to a podcast, but this isn't just any podcast. Just any podcast couldn't do this. All this. What the? This is the podcast. Starring the Ted. Starring the Ted. Star. The. Starring the Ted Smith and Cobb. The. Podcast starts. You better wear a helmet now. Woo! The podcast episode two twenty four. What's up with your boy, the Ted Smith? Will be host of this here podcast, greatest podcast in all the land. All the land. Woo! To the left of me, actually, he's to the right of me, sitting here in the studio. If he's not here, he's usually in uh, somewhere in Southeast Asia on two wheels. He goes by the name of Cobb. Cobb, what's going on? The Nasdaq rose slightly this morning. U.S. Treasuries fell to a three month low as the Fed raised interest rates and the Rus- Russian ruble continued to tumble in after hours trading. Closer to home, shares the podcast respond to warmer temperatures. Cobb cracked beers and Ted's new beach body. What does that mean for you? By now, because this summer's gonna be a fucking banger. Will Ted build lean games with Osiris and catch the girl of his dreams? We'll find out at 630. <laughs> Alright, back to the wheels of steel, getting the studio all set up, getting uh, you know, getting people uh, ready to rock. Uh, Matt Kamara, the producer, MCTP. What's up, Matt? Hey, Ted. How you doing, dude? Good. I came in and someone had already taken care of the water situation. Yeah, I was about to say you got the waters and then I realized Cobb was on it. Yeah. And I wasn't actually late. Hit no, the no, Ballard no. Bridge, but I still got here right on time. But Cobb's just on top of it. I honestly was just thirsty as hell. I was out in the sun before this, so I just grabbed one. Fair enough. I mean, I don't want to take your job away from you. No, it's no, cool. You do a great job with it's it, cool. <laughs> You're just here for the summer, hopefully. Yeah, well, I'm actually flying back on Thursday, so. So you're back on Skype next week. Back on Skype next week. All right. Uh, also, Osiris is a serious individual. I don't know if I want to use his name too much. <laughs> the man scares me. You still going to that dungeon to work out? I was. I was in there last night, man. And like, <laughs> <laughs> you made any friends? Or is it more like friends in prison where they're just sort of an acquaintance with a nod? It's friends in prison. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like I walked by him and he kind of like, oh, like good to see you. And I was just like, yeah, good to see you. <laughs> and then like, I was like, oh, I'm going to stay out of the way. And then there's like. Like, when I go in the evening time, if you go in the morning, there's, like, hardly, there's, like, nobody in there. But in the evening time, there's, like, the same few people. But, like, everybody's so focused. <laughs> like, I'm just, like, I don't know if I want to mess around here. I do have one thing to bring up. And I brought this up to Matt last night. I, there's one guy that comes in there, and he works out in jeans. Oh. And it just throws me off. And he just does squats. I've never in seen a jeans in jeans, right? Like think of the worst thing you'd want to do in a pair of jeans in a gym. Like squats is probably it. Dude, yeah, that's yeah. like why it was such a big deal when Andre Agassi wore like jorts to uh, Wimbledon is because it was just everyone's like, what? Like this doesn't even compute. Why? How on earth are you going to work out or play like a physical sport in jeans? And also you don't need to be embarrassed about being scared in that gym. Remember when we walked by like, what was that? Two weeks ago or something coming home from the podcast? Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even make eye contact with the place. I didn't want to look at it for fear of Osiris seeing me, seeing him. I have to yeah, take off running. We didn't even cross the street over to it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even met the man. So I do, I don't do, be intimidated, man. Just keep getting in there and getting those reps in, baby. I do love telling people, they're like, where's the gym at? Like, you know that restaurant? Like, yeah, I'm like, in the basement. <laughs> yeah. You know that hole in the wall next to the restaurant? Yeah, it's down there where you hear the chains clanking. Right. <laughs> I was like, there's three treadmills and a heavy bag. <laughs> No gloves. Good luck. Yes, I don't know. Jeans guy, right? <laughs> Dude, by the way, pro tip, as a man that has done some boxing in, in the past, call him Mitt. I was like, you got Mitts here? <laughs> Technically, Mitts would be the pad you're hitting, but either way, he was like, yeah, we got gloves. Uh, dude, I honestly, when I picture this place, I picture a guy in the corner tattooing people with like a <laughs> homemade setup and like in the other corner, like a couple of guys making some shady deal and then a bunch of dudes just sweating in tank tops. How Man. far off am I? Uh, you know, not that <laughs> a lot of far shaved off. heads. Yeah, there is. There's like, uh, like two inches taller, like, like pro version of me. Like same bald head, same beard, but he is just swole. And pro like, Ted. Yeah, and it's hard not to stare at him. Like, oh, I wonder what Pro Ted's doing. You know what I mean? Like, no man, do- you stare. That could be you. Is he doing Six girls? months from now, that could be you, Ted. 
But the place is so intense. Like, I kind of want, you know me, I'm a friendly guy. But everybody seems like they're so, and like, people don't mess around at all. People come in, they do like their thing, and like, people, everybody's working in circuits or whatever. There's two massive dudes that sit there on the kind of the, like the bench or something else that will chit chat. But it's always just the two of them. Everybody else is like running their circuit and then they're out. I mean, have you made like, where are we at in terms of the relationships? Like, is there anyone who you would like high five? Oh, negative. Negative. <laughs> 100% negative. Okay. <laughs> right? Okay. I just, that was my range finder. All right. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah, less thriving and more surviving at this point. Yeah. Like an actual thing that happened last night. Like, you know, a guy like in the middle, like doing pull-ups, right? And I said, hey, I'm, you mind? I'm going to jump in here and do some triceps. And then like out of the corner, another guy came over and was like, I got one more on the triceps. Like, all right, you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'll just stand here like a dumbass while you guys finish up your workout. Thanks. So <laughs> saying. It's an intense joint. But it's good. No games, baby. Right? <laughs> and man, it is in the bottom of a restaurant. It was so hot and smuggy in there last night. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no one to commiserate with because no one will talk, you know? No, but it's good. You don't, you, there's no, there's no bullshitting. Like, I went in there and did a whole thing, and then I, I was out of there in 50 minutes. Dude, here's what we do we get you one of those, you know, those old school tank tops. It's almost like a, like a racer back. It's like one center, like a small thing in the middle that the power lifters used to wear in the 80s. Oh, yeah. All right. We get you one of those, a chain necklace, <laughs> some real short shorts, giant like uh, workout boots, and you go in there, just own the place. Yes. You already got the beard. You got the shaved head. I got to like, show off some more body hair. Yeah. Flex on them. Yeah, dude. That's what I'm saying. Like, stand up straight with your shoulders back, man. You yeah, were prepared Jordan for- Peterson. <laughs> yeah, you were prepared for an actual gorilla to walk in here, were you? Um, I went swimming again this morning, and uh, the, there was one lane open, and it was the very fast lane. And I was like, I'm not like- Oh. I'm not very fast, but it's open- and, like, I know I can go very fast. I just can't really sustain it. And so I do a few laps and, like, feeling good and then not feeling so good. And then a guy gets in and, like, he's definitely faster than me. And I was just like, oh, shit. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go fix, stop and fix my goggles so he can get in front of me. And then uh, he ended up being a really cool guy, though. So maybe don't over-intimidate yourself. And then we started doing, like, sets together where we did, like, All right. 150 with the thing between your legs. So yeah, you're like... Pull. The pole, that's what he called it. And uh, then, like, 75 freestyles slower, and then, like, backstrokes. And I, it, was, it, was, it was, like, sets. It was really fun. It felt like I was in the gym and, like, kind of showed me the way. But then he's like, there's some people in here that are, like, come in on some days, and this lane's real fast. So he kind of gave me the heads up. But I got lucky with that. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. Dude, like I was saying, you can always ask people to split, too, instead of circle swim. Yeah. So if it's just two of you, you can split the lane. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I had thought about doing that and then he like was very friendly uh and when I yeah, when he stopped like while I was still fixing my goggles, which they did need to be adjusted, but I, How <laughs> I long did you have to fake fix them? Uh, you know, a while. Then I was catching my breath too afterwards. I had to take them all the way off. So, yeah, he got like a full lap in and then uh, he stopped and then we were chatting and yeah, he gave me the gave me the rundown and we did some did a set. It was fun. Nice. Yeah, Matt said he was going swimming last night. And I was like, "Don't get your foot tapped." Yeah, for <laughs> real. Right? You scared the crap out That's of me. That's all I was that. thinking about when I was swimming. Like, my heart's pounding, and I'm like breathing all intensely, just like not in a, in the flow state that I like to be in or am trying to attain at all. Just like, don't get tapped. Don't get tapped. <laughs> did we have that conversation on the cast or off? Yeah, we did. They make it sound like jujitsu when you're talking about getting <laughs> tapped. tapped. Yeah. Well, dude, just because like you're so cool about everything, you're like people do not like it. All right, I hate it when somebody taps me. Yeah. So now I just see, I was just like, like I'm scared it's for like, him after get his foot tapped. Yeah, man, I hustle when I get tapped. <laughs> get to work in there. Yeah, and before he came in, I was so chill. I like, I was like, I was listening to Life in the Fast Lane, one of my favorite songs, like in my head, and just like, oh, I'm doing great. And then he got it, and it was like, oh, shit. But yeah, it was a fun morning. Nice. Dude, so we got the social hurricane in the studio. Let's get him on the mic, man. Yeah. So you might have heard us reference our buddy Justin Esch before. I I think we always try to be careful about your name, and now that you're here, we'll use it. Uh, (laughs) That does not make me feel good. Well, no, there's just some stories. Like, I mean, Kyle and I, we both have friends. Felonies, Ted. The word is felonies, not stories. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I will sum it up the best way I can. Last night, I was talking to Taryn, and she was like, have I met your buddy Justin? And I said, no. I said, Justin is a very good friend of mine. I said, Justin is the man that introduced me to Barnes, introduced me to Cobb, and uh, 
it, you know, frankly, Justin, I mean, you had a huge, massive impact on my life and, 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 and helped me kind of grow up in a lot of ways. So that's the best way I can introduce you is like a very good friend of ours, friend of the shows, Cobb and I both, and just a huge influence on our lives. I would go a separate direction. I would say he's more like a, a social hurricane or a human flamethrower. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he has a way with people for sure, but when he goes into a place, he, he, you haven't met anybody like this. So anyway, without further ado, <laughs> Ash. That's, a, that's, a, that's an impressive introduction. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I mean, Ted, to, to feel like I had a massive uh, influence in your life, I appreciate that. I definitely remember the first time that I, we hung out. And we went and had drinks, like Kells or something, beers. And at the end of it, we went back to your house. And I walked in. And I remember one of the first things that I said to you. And this is like the first time we ever hung out. I was like, you, you can't live here. <laughs> you, yeah. You, you, need, you need to fix this. <laughs> yeah. 100%. We were at uh, Clever Duns, which is now Hula Hula. Clever Duns is on what Capitol it was. Hill. Yeah, I thought there was a huge stain in the middle of your living room floor. And I, thought, I, looked, I actually asked if like you'd changed a motor's oil or something in your living room and you're like no man that's blood <laughs> yeah my own blood <laughs> yeah yeah that's true but i mean you got me down into belltown yeah and uh he also had you shooting a grenade launcher down in uh, arizona <laughs> <laughs> all right so i do want to get into so, that arizona story. well because you're describing him as the social hurricane but also like Cobb and i have had some fun nights that first night in arizona might have been like the tough I mean, we were going <laughs> going all crazy in that bar. That was a good time. So, all right. I've never been to Scottsdale in my life. Ash is living down there at the time. Cobb's already down there with a couple buddies, right? Or you had already flown down or something. Yeah, I flew down to meet up with Barnes for uh, spring training. All yeah. right, right. So so the, the night I get down there, it's like Friday night. Uh, Ash picks me up. And then like we went and hung out and like drank some beers with some people or whatever. And we're like in downtown Scottsdale. Old town. Yeah. I don't remember what the name of the bar or club we went to first. We went to several. All right, the, I just remember the one. It was Cop, like a sportsman's like hunting lodge or something like that. I just it was remember very crap, very p- crowded. Right in the massive line at the one place when we got to, and it's like we're standing out there, and the girls that are standing there with us that I had like tagged along. Now we pull up on those golf carts, man, and they're like, or go, "Go ahead." Oh what? No, I didn't. I mean, I didn't know we were going to tell the story, but <laughs> yeah, what were the? Um, so there's these three blonde chicks that we knew. I don't remember how, and so we met them at that first bar. We were partying, having fun. We decided to go over to this other place, this nightclub, and so we hop on uh, golf carts, which is how everyone gets around down there. It's essentially their like taxi service, right? Mm-hmm. And so we hop on these golf carts. Um, we pull up hot to uh, what at the time was the hottest nightclub in Scottsdale. I don't know the name of it. You may. I definitely, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I also, yes. the, the three girls that you don't know how we remember, uh, the, from this was like four or five years ago. Yeah. 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 They live in San Francisco now. Right. Yeah. No, I definitely, that that came full circle much later in my life in a weird way. Nice. Powerful. Keep, keep going. Okay. So. It, um, it was Maya. That was the name of the nightclub we walked into. Oh, that's right. And okay. A swimming pool in the middle of it. Yeah. I do remember one of the three girls' names. So we pull up on the, these golf carts and as we're getting out, like, you know, we've had a couple beers, whatever, we get out and there's this huge line of like two three hundred people and uh right right as we're looking at the line like oh shit we're never gonna get in there um one of the girls goes oh man you guys better know somebody and through the crowd it was like it was almost like the smoke part and he's like you you him and her let's go <laughs> and it's ash up on these like this large flight of stairs just pointing us out calling us in and so we just like breeze right past everyone into the nightclub ted was thriving in that environment ash obviously was a lot of fun yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you call him the social hurricane. But we went in there, and I don't remember going to the. I just remember being in the bar and like dancing, and like uh, your buddy. We're gonna talk about him in a little bit later. That came up with the guns. Oh god! Like his girl was just like, "You guys are freaking insane." <laughs> <laughs> oh god, she that that one particular girl that he dated, Raven at the time. That girl was crazy, um, and I I just I know crazy. Um, she was batshit crazy. <laughs> Uh, super fun, like a great, a great. I'm in my early 20s. Let's party in a nightclub, girlfriend. I mean, she filled that role really well. You know, crazy through personal experience or just something you read about. <laughs> I mean, I could write about it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think we could both write a book on it yeah. at this point. I also still think this was at the time. Like, I don't know that. I don't know that even Fireball. We, we were definitely rifling like Jaeger bombs still. I think it was. Yeah, it was right before the tide turned from Jaeger bombs to uh, to Fireball for the sort of like douchey shot of the night. I also remember that it wasn't Red Bull. It was something else. It was some off-brand energy drink. They got a great deal on. They were pushing on us all night. It was like rocket fuel. 
or yeah, something. Wired or pimp juice. Or so, something. something yeah. terrible. <laughs> yeah, I worked yeah. at a bar in Baltimore that's the, the, you, you got a vodka Red Bull. It was pimp juice. Yeah, Dude, I told you that in college we were sponsored by pimp juice, right? Mm. The bar oh. in my dorm got sponsored by pimp juice. Yeah, it was the only do- it was the only bar for uh, sophomores. Obviously, we were under twenty one, so we built this giant bar. It's about the size of this uh, this desk we're at in our dorm, and then we would host like big parties and stuff. Anyway, they sponsored it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very impressive. <laughs> Pimp juice, man. I've not thought about that in a long time. When's the last time you saw somebody do a Jaeger bomb? Oh, I don't By know. By choice? Yeah. And I, I mean, I've seen people get them forced on them. But I, I haven't been at, and I, I'm in bars a lot. I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, I haven't heard someone order that drink for themselves. Be like, Jaeger bombs, that sounds great. I mean, two years ago in Vegas, maybe three years, no, three years ago in Vegas, I was at the, uh, the Hard Rock mm-hmm. at the Circle Bar. Great bar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I ran into some people from Maryland. They were like, you get f***ed up. We like to get f***ed up. We do some Jagger models. It came out at like 2 in the morning. I think I was talking to a, like a yep. lady of the night at that bar. Oh, yeah. Like, Ted Smith was in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you dog them all you want, but you hit Ted at 2 a.m. with that, like he's in 100%. And he'll pay for him. It doesn't even matter what you say. He's in. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He's a writer. Yeah. I love that about him. <laughs> Dude, I was... Matt saw me this weekend. Uh, we were hanging out on the beach uh, up at the uh, the Daily uh, Cabin. Mm-hmm, warm beach. Yeah. And, and somebody was like, we should sh-. Oh, Matt was like, you yeah. guys should shotgun a beer to me and his girl. And I was like, dude, I'm in for that. And then we recruited the mayor. And then Taryn was on the other. He says, Taryn, what? You want shotgun a beer? Yeah, I'll be down. But then a baby showed up. So she got sidetracked. So we shotgun our beer. So then she came down. and was like, nah, screw it. Let's shotgun another one. <laughs> It was like late night Ted. I was already game. One of my buddies uh, lately when we've been drinking together, um, he he only wants to like theme the night with alcohol. So wherever we go out, I'm like, all right, all we're drinking tonight is is Hennessy. Oh, like all we're drinking tonight is tequila. And last time I saw him, all he wanted to drink, Thug Passion. Like Alizé, Alizé and, and Hennessy, and right? Hennessy mixed together with like. I, Wait a minute, time out. We, I, they still sell Alizé? Oh, you can get some Alizé. The kind of places oh. I'm in. Yeah, that's a good point. I've seen that. You guys ever drink Alizé? No, we just have Incredible Hulks, and that's pretty much the only experience I have with Hennessy, yeah. and it was ruthless. Yeah. The drink looks really cool. It lights up like bright green, but it tastes terrible. That, Matt, that's our drink tonight. That I think you just nailed We're leaving here to go have drinks. That's probably what we're drinking. <laughs> Dude, well, Matt heard me this weekend. I was telling our buddy Josh, like, I used to drink this back in the day where I was like, we want a signature drink, Hennessy and apple juice. Oh, God. And that is a conversation starter. What did you call that? Hennessy and apple juice? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have a name for it, man. You can't just drink Henny and some apple juice? No, you can't. You gotta call that something. H-A-J. H-A-J. <laughs> H-A-J. <laughs> Dude, that's that's not a bad name. AJJ's. No, but I mean, I think that like when the, said AJ when Apple the, Juice when the Patron and Hennessy thing came out, people were like, "Oh man!" But, but hang on, that was Marshawn Lynch. That is not a normal person's drink. You mix two liquors, right? Like the, the first time I had <laughs> most uh, people, most normal humans don't get a nickname like Beast Mode. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Marshawn, and you were the first person to ever tell me about Marshawn drinking that. He gets away with that s. Uh, I. I, I didn't I wasn't ready to get drunk with him. I think that, you know, the first time it happens, you just go with it. And um when I was like, What are we drinking? And they just hand me a pint glass that was fifty percent silver patron and fifty percent Hennessy over ice. I didn't think about it. I just went with it. I was scared to not drink it. Dude, that's exactly okay, thank you. I'm I'm glad you said that. That's exactly how I felt Sean Kemp, remember he had that little bar yeah. uh, Oscar something? I felt like it'd be insulting not to drink it. Like yes. Marshawn, you're you're ter- you're scary and you're being nice. You're you're scary when you're being nice. You're scary. Dude, yeah. Kemp scary, I, didn't, nice. I didn't know him. He asked if I wanted to do a shot because I knew one of the bartenders. I said yes, and they give us basically like uh what was it called highball glasses yeah. with about four shots mm. where then he just of course boom does his like a shot and so I'm just like and doing yeah. like it wrecked house, but like yeah, exactly. Standing there in front of a professional athlete, you're not going to not take it. So you just kind of, I don't know what it is about them. If there's some magic about them or something. I don't even watch a lot of sports, but like you just, you shut up and accept it. I my, don't know what it is. My but I think it happens with athletes or like famous people. Like I've done it with bands backstage, like on their bus. Like, do you want to, and I'm like, that sounds awful, you know, in my head. But I'm like, hell yeah. yeah I'm too. too. Pass what that is over. That? <laughs> yeah. What is that magic that they like sprinkle on us? 
It's just because they're more famous. <laughs> yeah. They win. It's like a trump card, right? I think you just want to be a good hang. Like, you don't want to be the buzzkill who's like, no, I will not have that. Give me a Heineken. Like, that yeah. guy sucks. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you want to go for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, Kemp and I are still friends to this day. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we have not spoken since. My, my night ended, uh, for my store, my night ended with a 20 bag of Jack in the Box and a $200 bill from an Uber for throwing up in the back. Oh. Oh. I mean, so, no, I mean, I would, I don't know how I would respond to another Patronacy. Wait, was the twenty dollars in at Jack in the Box for one person? That was me. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. and then you. It's a lot of volume. Did you get the Jack in the Box in the Uber and then throw it up? In oh, the I had him hit the drive-through. I got him some late-night food. It was yeah. like two thirty in the morning. It was some party in Bellevue after a game, and uh, yeah, no, I remember. I, I remember being told later that I was walked out. I was, I was on autopilot. Dude, whatever happened with that like Mexican chick with all the like prison stab tattoos that you met in a drive-through? Oh man, remember that chick? Yeah, that, she, that Rosalita or something. Yeah, no, I mean that's the, the kind of th- that happens when you walk through a Taco Bell drive-through at three o'clock in the morning and make friends with the people in the car behind you, and then they give you a ride home and hang out. Like, yeah. you guys still friends? Um, I, I, she, I follow I her. She came out when we were down there. Yeah, that's she's yeah. super cool. She, yeah, uh, she works awesome. at a, she works at a bar in Scottsdale called Bourbon Street or something like that, or the Highlighter. Appropriate. Uh, All right. Yeah, it's a, it's a gentleman's club, and she. Is like a waitress there, and I think she had a kid. I, I don't know. She, she, I got her on Instagram. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> she has a lot of I pop in and out from time to Fair time, enough. and I'm like, oh, I remember you. Like, that was crazy. <laughs> Hope you're well. People still partying at the coach house? The coach house, yeah. No, the place is, is, is fun. Um, I, I like that bar just because it's just, it is what it is. It's unpretentious. It's just like drinks, liquor, no frills, come have fun. Uh, and the, the the game changed in Scottsdale because they dropped those bikes everywhere. Like in, I mean, the same thing in Seattle, but those rental bikes. And so all oh, anybody like the line does, bikes or whatever. The line bikes, and there's three competitors, and so yeah. everyone's just riding bikes, severely intoxicated, because the whole <laughs> thing is right on top of each other. It's just like an entertainment district. So it's not like in Seattle where you got to ride from Fremont up to Capitol Hill or something to go to different like areas and bars. It's like all right there. So everyone's on these bikes at night, drunk. Yeah, in Austin, it's those little scooters right now. Yeah. yeah. Bird scooters. Everybody's drunk, crashing them, getting hit by cars and stuff. Yeah. Really? The bird's a dangerous Dude, game. yeah. In 36th Street, like, you put a couple of those scooters out on 36, there's going to be problems. They do 20 miles an hour. It's, yeah. It's a that, problem. And I the police close down that street every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Like, that's how crazy it gets. They put out police barricades, and they have the riot squad out there. Wait, Ted, you haven't tried this yet? You no. haven't tried Bird or, like, Lime or any of these electric scooters? You've seen them in the news, though. Man, I don't know. One dollar unlocks it. Two wheels. It's like a. It's like a like a, a, razor a razor scooter with a with a motor on it. Twenty miles an hour. No helmets. Huh. No rules. No laws. Stay off the sidewalk. What? Stay off the sidewalk. <laughs> You're supposed to. Most they people don't. They have them in Seattle. Uh, I don't know. I got, oh, I got the app on my phone. I don't Check think I've out. seen any. I've seen the line bikes that are now electric. Yeah, they, they have, have electric line bikes, but I don't think I've seen these scooter things. Look. Oh, yeah, they've absolutely exploded in San Francisco oh. uh, and Austin, all over the place. There's a bunch of uh, lawsuits flying from personal injury attorneys, <laughs> but basically the cities wanted them to get permission to launch these services, and instead they just like, like basically went on a bombing <laughs> run and spread them out throughout the city. Um, all of these companies sort of independently, but they've got you know two hundred million in funding, so they're just like, you know, putting out as many scooters wow. as they can. I mean, one got, yeah, I think they do have them here because I know one of the bikes got thrown off the Ballard Bridge and had to be recovered. Those are like well, line no, no, bikes the line like bikes and stuff. I know the okay, bikes. But the scooters, so scooters, just scooters specifically, yeah. no, I've not seen. Oh, okay. I just yeah, the scooters are a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, uh, it hasn't launched in Seattle, um, and yeah, you no, know, like you were saying, they, they went really rogue with it. Uh, the, the CEO and founder of the company is this guy named Travis Vanderzanden. That's <laughs> Vander Zanden. Vander Zanden. That's one word. Uh, he previously was, I think he was like the vice president of operations at Uber, and then he was some sort of VP of operations type role at Lyft. So he took all of the uh, like really dark, evil way to run and scale a company, applied with like the kind of nice political way of running and scaling a company, combined the two together, moved it to Santa Monica, raised hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, the, the, the company got a billion dollar valuation six weeks ago, and then for a complete round of funding, and then two weeks later made another round of funding. Nothing material changed whatsoever in this business. And the valuation of the company was $1 billion higher. So 14 days later, they're like, yeah, give us another $100 million. We've really uh, knocked it out of the park here. 
Uh, they're launching. Yeah, that's just a cash grab at that point. Yeah, they have, they have twelve competitors now. I mean, Uber's getting in the game. Lyft's getting in the game. Jeez, yeah. wow. Uh, you were saying on Sixth Street, yeah. right? So on the Dirty week- Sixth, because there's three sixths. Dirty right. Sixth. <laughs> they literally have the riot cops out there every night on the weekends. Every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they have mounted police. They have vehicle, police vehicles on every block. Okay, so 6th Street is split up into three zones. There's West 6th, which is essentially like your Ballard in Seattle, sort of nice, like, you know, yuppie, mid, mid-20s to mid-30s professionals. Then you've got, like, um, Dirty 6th, or The Dirty, as they call it, and then East 6th, which is kind of over where I live. East 6th is like the sort of hipster area, like Capitol Hill, what have you. The Dirty 6th. College. Oh, yeah. It's all college bars. They're huge. There's about 40 of them in this strip. And each one of them can hold, I would say, close to 1,000 people. Like, these things are massive, Ted. Massive. You got to remember, there's 50,000 undergrads at UT alone. Okay, plus there's other colleges in the area. So um, so they close down the street Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They have mounted police. They have cop cars, two cop cars on every side street that connects. They close down four blocks. So total police presence, we're talking about 65 officers per night, right? They do this every Thursday, every Friday, every Saturday. If there's an event, they close off an additional block on each end to keep cars off and an additional block each direction. So fifth and fourth, or fifth and seventh. Like... Texas. If that doesn't tell you that they're preparing <laughs> for chaos and destruction yeah. and Sodom and Gomorrah, then I don't know what does. I mean, every night there's crazy street fights, women getting nude. It's like Mardi Gras, but that never ends, man. I mean, it is absolutely insane. I mean, everything's party proof down there. Like they have, you know, plastic cups, plastic shot glasses. Oh yeah, dude, plastic cups, plastic shot glasses. You have like that. Um, what's that diamond plating on the outside of stuff to keep people from like destroying it? I mean, yeah, you just like YouTube six street fight, and you'll be watching all day. Well, what, hey, I got money what too. Do they, what do they do on game day? Is it just insanity? Oh, when UT plays, when Texas plays, <laughs> Ted, they get six home games a year. Like, just think about the tailgating that goes on with something like that. Add to that the fact that this is University of Texas. So you think about a UW tailgate, right? Like, okay, yeah, kind of big in Texas. Football is a religion. I mean, these high schools have twenty thousand person stadiums. Ted, yeah. high schools. So, like, when it gets to UT level, obviously, like, there's no professional sports teams there. It's like Columbus, Ohio, where Ohio State is. Like, the city shuts down. It is complete and total gridlock. Everybody's partying. I would say half the cops are drunk, if I'm being honest. Like, yeah, it's total chaos. Well, even last year, because you came down to meet us in Dallas. Like, just walking around the Dallas State Fair at the Cotton Bowl. And I just remember, like, talking to the cops. I'm like, I've told this story, but the one cop's just like, yeah, yeah you'll be all right. Go get some beers. Yeah, like it just seemed, it seemed like they were encouraging it. That's, that's how they were in Boston for the um, what's it called for St. Paddy's Day. Like half the cops, I swear, were drunk. I feel like it actually tames down a little bit when they have these events offsite, like at the Texas State Fair at the Red River Shootout. Correct. It's not it's not in someone's home turf. So if I was a UT student, like I, I went to college at Washington State when I'm in Pullman at a game or a student from UW, you feel more comfortable because you're in your environment. You know the surroundings. And so like if you have to go somewhere or do something, you kind of know where it is. And I think you and let you start your guard down more. You black out yeah. way harder and way longer because you feel safer. And so if you're in Austin, I think that the, the people that live there feel like they can let go all the way, just no regrets, just all the way in. But if I'm at the Texas State Fair, that's foreign territory to me. I mean, I'm, at, I'm at an away game, basically. Like, you don't know where you're going to go. You got to figure out how to get your car. Like, you have to, like, someone Logistics. in the group has to remain at least minorly coherent and aware. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Right, because, I mean, when it's on your own campus, man, like, autopilot. You don't care. You could walk blacked out through the streets home and get home. Zombie. Yeah, zombie drunk. Exactly. We dealt with it. So, dude, tell them a little bit about Panama City Beach. You don't have to say what you do for work or anything. But it's fine. So, uh, th- four years ago, I took a job basically running a large social media application that college students use. And uh, as- <laughs> <laughs> so, my, that's the my, most PC possible way to put that. <laughs> I will. I'll share this with you. If you let people post, uh, one of the one of the greatest learnings from that company was that if you let people post uh, content anonymously, that is photos and videos, and you focus a company around that concept, and you launch it in predominantly college campuses, the majority of the content that you're going to get back is going to be dick pics. <laughs> Just <laughs> there was a whole team of people. All they did all day long was manually scrub the internet. What would you say percentage of dick pics was to boobs? Oh, it's ten to one. I mean, like the guys, you let you let men post things anonymously. Like it's just dick 
weeks for days. I mean, I mean, look, I'll be honest, though. I remember when I was living in Baltimore in that row house and all those guys graduated yeah. from Hopkins, right? And we still use disposable cameras. Yep. Like, I don't remember doing it. I just remember one buddy was like, hey, man, you took a picture of your dick and my mom found it. And I went, <laughs> how do you know it was me? And he was, I think his exact quote was something like, Small breakfast sausage surrounded by a lot of sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> and they pulled out the picture like, that's your dick, you hairy bastard. Look at that dick. I'm like, damn it, that <laughs> is my dick. No. So, so it's 100% true. And so one of the His projects. kind of hot, too. <laughs> one of the projects I had to do, I actually hired Cobb and some other friends of ours. I don't know if you talked to them from Seattle. Uh, to come down, I, I was I was put in charge of running a uh, spring break marketing program that, at its core, essentially had us in Panama City Beach, Florida, for spring break in 2014. Whatever the last year was before they shut it down, it was the last remember. one. The murders, yeah. the shooting, it, it was the Couldn't final fifteen. Maybe 15, 15 maybe 2K15. Right? Yeah, so, 15 sounds Because we were doing the cast. I think that was like the first year we, we put in some guest hosts when you were gone. Yeah, I think 15 sounds about right. Yeah, and so um, I did I did four and a half weeks of spring break, and it almost killed me. And Cobb was there with me, and at its core, our job was essentially just giving away free liquor to college kids and ha- hosting these huge events with thousands and thousands of kids every night. Thus, they were the zombies. Well, yeah, the zombies are like when someone goes fully blackout drunk. So, I mean, he says kids, but keep in mind, these people are like over 18, oftentimes over 21. And so, one, like a lot of these kids did not wear a lot of clothes. I'll say that. Two, we were, th- we were throwing a lot of parties, and the zombie drunk kids, you would essentially see these kids who all day long, they're looking at all these beautiful women, walking up and down the beach, but they just like, for one reason or another, they weren't able to connect with them, and they would just drink and drink hard. No, the reason was for loco. Four oh, Loco. Yeah, Four Loco was big at the Four time. Four Loco was everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, so that's the thing. Um, so the the newspaper later described it as like this booze fueled bacchanalia will be the last ever as City Hall like implements rules to curb spring break drinking. So it was the final one because it got so out of control. I mean, we're talking about we were seeing like street fights that were like forty on forty brawls. Like it was absurd. No, no, no. It was when the guy rode by on the scooter and he had another dude on the back riding cupcake and the guy shot the gun in the air. That's when I was like, this is about to go full Mad Max. Like we've oh, gone yeah. all the way there. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. So, like, Popping even, off rounds on a scoot? Yeah, I mean, Ted, we, cupcake. we had, like, a little vehicle for driving our stuff around, and same thing. Like, some dude came through on a scooter, blazing past, and just kicked out a taillight. <laughs> like, <laughs> as I'm just sitting in traffic. I mean, it was, dude, I've told you before that it was crazy. I've showed you a few of the pictures, but, like, it was, it was unreal crazy. And so, yeah, these zombies would get hammered drunk, beyond blackout, and they're just walking. It was like the walking dead. I mean, you could go up. One of my buddies was taking selfies with him. He probably took 50 selfies with these zombies, and they had no idea. Okay, no, the, the like the energy was keeping them awake and erect, like you know, standing up, walking, but like all systems were off. I mean, all motor control gone, any sort of like you know, front, prefrontal cortex processing shot 100%. Like, these were zombies, they're as close as you can get to it in the modern day. One of my favorite memories of that entire <laughs> event <laughs> that's all like. Vegas, I've been there. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's why 6th Street doesn't phase me. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, 36. My favorite memory of that entire event was actually the, the mistake that Ben made. So one of our friends, who's, he's actually a DJ here in Seattle, who flew down, and as part of it, we were just kind of messing around, and I was like, hey, Diplo's going to play this party for us. Ben, oh, ben and Marty, uh, the deal was Diplo got to play, well, got, we hired him oh. to play. Oh, <laughs> I remember this story. So, now that you're telling it, like, <laughs> god damn. It was, yeah, it's probably, it was, what, 40,000 people? It was oh. ridiculous, right? And it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. I was like, all right, well, cool, we're going to hire Diplo and all this money, and uh, but my friends, Ben... And Marty get to open for him. And they're like, no. <laughs> and so I was like, no, this isn't happening unless they get to do it. They're my friends. They're DJs. They're here. It's a great opportunity. So finally they say yes. They go up. And uh, as both of them are going on stage, it was crazy. It was thousands of these kids. And both of them just kind of said, they were like, man, I'm kind of nervous. I have never played for this many people before. It was huge. I mean, it was an outdoor party on the beach. So, yeah, it was massive. It was massive. And uh, uh, there was a hotel right next to where the venue was that overlooked the venue on the beach. And Diplo was in his hotel room out on on the the balcony, just like looking at it and surveying it and checking it out. And Ben, right before kind of like Diplo is going to come down and come on, starts playing this track. And it was – he actually started playing – one of Diplo's songs that he had just produced and released, and he starts tweeting about it, uh, mocking him, being like, this, this fool 
is playing my song. That's a massive cardinal rule. Right before yeah. I come on. Like you can't like you can't be a cover band and play somebody else's song right before they come on stage. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Or like even if you're a real band, like you can't I don't know, let's say you're you're opening up for Guns N' Roses and you're you're some newer band. But like you can't your cover song can't be a Guns N' Roses song. No, I love it. Because no, who wants to hear the real <laughs> yeah, you're not just gonna head off you're not gonna like start things off with Sweet Child of Mine, you know? I, right. So I mean if they played it, everybody's probably like, Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then he's up in his hotel room like, dude, what the hell? Yeah. Wow. It was uh and everyone got mad and I was just like I at that point I was so emotionally checked out from that whole thing and so burnt out that I was like, I don't care. I'm happy he did it. You have to was be it to survive. Even fun? I mean, yeah, it was a blast, but you have to. I mean, he says emotionally checked out. You had to do that to survive down there, you know? I mean, we were, like, daily shopping at Walmart and then just dealing with zombies. So, yeah, at some point, you have to just distance yourself. So, one fact, Ted, they were trying to keep the death rate low when we were there. All right. They, the stated goal publicly was 40 deaths during spring break. 40. 40 actual people, human That's beings. Crazy. They did not meet that goal. <laughs> So they had the number one way that people die at spring break, sadly, is trying to jump drunkenly from one balcony to another or crawl from one balcony to another. So think about like just what, you know, like how that plays out where they had, you know, 15, 20 kids die from this. And so <clears throat> I guess my point is if you don't emotionally distance yourself from how crazy and otherworldly that spring break is, like you simply cannot handle it. I mean, the human factor, like it's just too much, too much to handle. Well, and I had to be sober, so that really added to my stress. And um, it was a requirement that I – there, there was a lot of people working for me at this point. I mean, Cobb was really brought in as kind of like my field general. I actually – that's what I told him I needed. I was like, I want to hire somebody who can come down, who can relate to these kids and wrangle them and keep them in control because I have to deal with police and paramedics and event planners and nightclubs and venues and hotels. And somebody has to be there to basically eat all these bullets and jump on all these grenades. And I need someone to run all the stuff. So I would show up in the morning and Cobb would be having these meetings, 50, 100 kids that are getting ready to work for us at these events. And I would show up and I would have to just, I don't know, in the beginning, I would get upset because they're at spring break. They're there to work for me. And I would, I would I walked up to Blaze. Remember, I remember, remember little Blaze? I, I walked Blaze. up to this kid. He's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. He's got a hat on. He clearly hadn't been to bed. And from his chest to his knees was wet, and it was his own urine. And he had actually. Oh, <laughs> you remember this? Oh. So that's the thing. A lot of these people to get to come on the team, they got a free trip to spring break. So yeah. a lot of them are college kids, right? So they're trying to work during the day and then party their asses off at night. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, so I walk up and I'm like, "Blaze, what's up with you, man?" He's like, "Man, I had a great night last night." I was like, "Clearly, I can smell it." Um, and he was very open about the fact. He's like, "I definitely wet the bed, and I was late, and I just got up, and I just came here, and it, but it wasn't my bed. Don't worry, you're not going to lose your deposit on the hotel room you paid for for me." And um, I think I made him stand. I made him. I remember. I made him stand in front of a Waffle House in the sun for eight hours as punishment. And that was his like spot to market the company from under a little tent. And he did it. And that's why he stayed. stayed on the squad. Stayed on the team. I mean, to his defense, that's pretty impressive. He he was that messed up, but still was like, I got to get to work. Yeah, the man showed up. Yeah, I respect it. Well, Cobb had him shook. Like if they if they flaked one time, they were out. They're gone. <laughs> like, you don't have a place to stay. Good luck. We're on a tight ship, Ted Smith. <laughs> uh, all right, Cobb, we got some emails over there? Yeah, man, we got a bunch. Ola, out of the greatest podcast in all the land. All, all the, the land. land. Cobb, I admire your intel intelligence, but when you guys were talking about capitalism and socialism and how neither one of the them are great solutions, you mentioned something about how you think smaller tribes are a better option for society. <clears throat> I have to disagree. Uh, when you say the word tribe, the first thing I think of is the word nationalism. I don't think I need to go down history lane for you to see where I'm going with this. Uh, it was a spark in Germany that resulted with Hitler, among other things. And I feel that is somewhat what the alt-right uh, and we have to fight oh, somewhat what the alt-right believes. And we have to fight that at all costs. Sorry if this was bacon length. Uh, this is my first time using voice to text. LARPON, Albino Matt. <clears throat> I think there's also a difference between having smaller tribes and then, like, what he's talking about. Like, those are people that took a small tribe and decided their tribe needed to be the only tribe and was better than everybody else's tribe. Yeah, that's that's like a, an us versus them thing. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. When, when I'm talking about tribalism, I'm not talking about nationalism. I'm not talking about, like, huge groups and separating yourself and marginalizing the other and um, sort of having your own agenda. I'm talking about really small groups. We're talking about, uh, I think, community maybe is a better word that's more digestible for it. So I'm talking about groups of 20 to 60 people that are living harmoniously and all contributing to sort of a common um, good and goal and helping each other out. So, um, 
yeah, I don't really think uh, scale-wise that relates to Germany or what they were trying to do. I mean, that nationalist group was was massive, and obviously they had some political goals. What I'm talking about is um, sort of a sustainable community that, um, you know, not necessarily living off grid, but essentially having their own sort of, um, I don't know, smaller system within the within the whole. Hopefully that clears that up. I don't know. Uh, gentlemen, et al. Oh, that's right. We were talking about the uh, Latin. <clears throat> gentlemen, et al. stands for et ale, meaning and others in Latin. Basically, it's just a pretentious version of et cetera. My litigious brethren <laughs> consistently use it to try and sound fancy when they can't think of more specific specific examples of an idea. Uh, as for your continued and excellent discussion on capitalism, it's clearly a pretty ruthless system in which a lot of people are eaten alive. Then again, the same phrase accurately describes the entire natural world. Like Cobb so eloquently said, capitalism is fundamentally flawed and we just don't have a better alternative. Cobb, you're on point on the psychology of business and politics. Uh, is it, oh, your point on psychology and the business of politics is a fascinating subject, which I thoroughly enjoyed studying as a part of my undergrad degree. I'd love to discuss in detail over some Lone Star and Shiner Bach when I'm in Austin late October if you're free. Always, uh, As always, LARP on and C-Town, what? Carson the lawyer. Hell yeah, man, hit me up. I do think, too, though, like I get the, the rules of the animals and stuff. I'm just saying, for my taste in capitalism, there, it's not like there's not companies that don't make a ton of money <coughs> and still distribute the wealth, the wealth correctly. Like these companies exist, so you can you can do both. Can we get Peter an Belt. Oh, Peter Belt, like the trucking company, right? If trucking you manufacturer. start on their manufacturer line, when you end, you'll be a millionaire. So it's not like the 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 upper brass hasn't made a ton a bunch of money, but just like it's just a simple formula, right? So that that's my part of the capitalism with with now with everything being publicly traded as well, like you're beholden to shareholders as opposed to your employees. I think there's room for both. You can make money and still not have to be assholes to everybody. Yeah, so you feel like the means of production should be owned in part by the labor force, right? But also, I think you got to go back. I think that the whole shareholders, I don't even mind jumping in here, but uh, shareholders is a fancy word for banks, right? There's not a lot of individual shareholders that show up and disrupt a meeting and are like, gosh, we're going to get all these people that bought a hundred shares of Microsoft together and cause a problem. It's a bunch of hedge funds and huge banks like Goldman Sachs. Institutional investors. That get together and force a company through power and threats to make decisions to cut costs, cut labor costs, do things that they may otherwise not do. I mean, Google's whole charter of don't be evil, et cetera, all changes when banks get involved and can start bullying people and pushing them around and threatening them. You founded this company, you're the CEO, but we can fix that unless you do what we want. Activist investors, et cetera. That's not shareholders. Yeah. Yeah. Activist investors is um, a key piece of it. I think the the sword kind of uh, cuts both ways in that um, I think that there are activist investors who make some huge um, some huge sweeping changes within companies, specifically when it comes to cost-cutting or um, sending stuff overseas. But the flip side of that is um, CEOs who do, actually all the way down the chain, people who say, I'm just doing my job. And as it goes all the way up, the CEO is like, I'm just serving the shareholders. And they do that as a way to essentially pass the blame morally for what they're doing when oftentimes the shareholders don't know what the individual decisions are. They just are focused on the bottom line. So you have sort of a weird mix there, a weird dynamic where it is both the threat of activist investors and oftentimes the actual activist investors making a move, but then also the CEO basically wanting to be morally free of what happened by saying, my job is to do what's in the best interest of the shareholders, what they called fiduciary duty, where they're trying to do right by the shareholders. And oftentimes, when the shareholders find out what actually went down, um, you see now like an emergence of a lot of these funds that are sort of like socially conscious, whatever, basically that they say that they are... They say publicly that they're interested in only investing in companies that don't have any sort of negative impact, which, um, you know, is pretty tough for any company to do. But anyway, so um, it's it's a dynamic that involves both parties, I think. So to just put it on the shareholders or to just put it on the CEO and the top brass, um, either way is sort of muddling, in my opinion, who is at fault. I think it's the the system as whole, as a whole. But, yeah, it's both parties. I like people saying you can't invest my money in certain things. I think when it came out that the California Teachers Union Pension Fund invested in Cerberus Cerberus Capital, which went out and bought the Freedom Group, which owns Bushmaster Rifles, which is used, you know, it has been used in several school shootings, whichever argument of the the 2A thing you fall on. It's really kind of hits home when it's like the Teachers Union 
pension fund of the state of California benefited from a bank buying a company that owned this um, very specific item and product, which was used against schools. And I think you have to have these types of provisions now. What's well, that P word you keep saying? Calper. No, I think it was pension. What is that? Oh, pension? Yeah, it's just... Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Ted. Well played. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is... I've heard, I've heard about these things. The investors in you a situation like that get too. so far removed, too, that it's just some teacher in California, right? And they don't know what the specific policy is that maybe caused a school shooting or something. So that's the other piece is there's so many layers in between that oftentimes it's tough to tell where to where and with whom to place the Also, blame. sometimes it's just like arguing with your girlfriend. Sorry, like, okay, we can always... Mu- Right. And not saying either you are wrong about what you're saying, but at a certain point, there's just simple damn things. If you work for companies that make an S ton of money, like the employee should get some, too. You yeah. know what I mean? Like also employees. There's a crazy word. Like a lot of people now work contract. They're just contracted out. Oh, yeah. And it's going like, that way more and more. Right. That's what everything's going to be like. We don't even have employees anymore. So, I mean, it's. I don't know what the final answer is, right? It's the 1% gets farther and farther away. Like, eventually, these people aren't going to have any money. So what good is your product going to be then? Let's start a cold, bro. Well, well <laughs> universal income's coming, I think. But, uh, I, this is, maybe this makes me sound like a bad person. I, I don't know. But even if you're in the top 10% of wage earners now, I mean, it cuts at like $120,000, $116,000 yeah, or something. That puts you in the top 10% of wage earners. You know, that amount of money... Um, the median income in cities like San Francisco, cities like Seattle are close to that. Maybe there's, it's a little below that. I think it's like $90,000 in San Francisco. It's like seventy eight or 84000 in Seattle. So if the median income in Seattle is $85,000, let's say, and to be in the top 10% of overall wage earners in the entire country, you only have to make $115,000, that means you're kind of doing okay if you live in Seattle. So you have to make this disproportionately large amount of money to ever be able to save for a retirement, as you mentioned, because there's going to be no pension. Right. And you, you oh, you want to buy a home? That's adorable. The median home price is $600,000 now for, for a house that's probably not that nice in King County. And that's crazy right. to me. Oh, a car average cost 50 grand. So is someone really selfish by setting themselves apart to go and work for a company like, let's just say, Amazon or Microsoft or Expedia or whatever it is? It's going to give them $200,000, $250,000 a year. They're going to pay for lunches and breakfast. They're going to give them crazy benefits and matching 401ks and stock plans, and they're going to make a bunch of money. So I think that people themselves have to become really selfish if they want to actually just survive now. No, no, no. I, right. I, I, I mean, I get why people take these jobs. It, I'm just saying, like, I think somewhere down the line, I think it's like we don't have employees. Like, you're just Those people are just working on contract to contract. I'm unaware of a lot of people that work in jobs like that or in like mine that are on, they're contract employees. Most of them at the higher level are full-time. I mean, all the good jobs at Google are full-time jobs. All the good jobs at Facebook are full-time jobs. And then they farm out like all the The thing I always hear about Amazon is you go work there for three years and then you go get a job you want. Yeah, average employment is 18 months at Amazon. But here's the thing. So if most of the jobs you hear about are not contract jobs, what about everyone else? Like that's what we're talking about. Right. With the system itself is like, you know, like what do we do with the other 95% of the population? Not be a part of it. I mean, like, I think that's the ruthless thing about our society now is that people are like, it's us or them. And you have to, like, split up the middle. I I talk about this all the time. I think that we have created a system that serves so few people that it's left too many behind, that it's just straight cutthroat. And eventually something will change. I mean, yeah, that's essentially. I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know when it's going to happen. I'm not saying there's going to be a revolution. I'm just saying something will have to change because the system does not work the way it's built. Too few people are getting too much money, and if you're fortunate enough to be a part of that, good for you. If you're not, you should recognize that the people that aren't need help. Let me ask you this: yeah. straight to the point. Ted Smith starts a cult. Are you in or out? Knowing absolutely nothing about what we're based on, what our religion is, anything hard in. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get in on the founding of this for some tax benefits? <laughs> <laughs> Greetings to the best podcast in all the land. All, all the land. land. This year's summer meltdown is finally a destination for me, and I truly look forward to officially becoming a Melty. Uh, along those lines, as a Melty Freshie, I would seriously appreciate Ted's top 10 tips for summer meltdown. As the festival approaches, maybe Ted could give one or two tips a week that would assist those attending for the first time. Look forward to seeing you out there. I'll be bringing the four bottles of champagne I won at the uh, FMMS show. <laughs> the... Uh, 
well, I'll just bleep. F- MS show, <laughs> Sunday morning mimosas, uh, 2000, LARP on, 2018, Diligence. Ted, first knuckle. Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get closer to festival season. We'll talk about it a little more. I don't know. Bring, bring sunscreen. Bring a tent. Bring water. Are, are yeah. you guys going back to the burn? I have. I'm. I'm ready to commit to this. By the way, I was thinking about this. You say day. that every year. No, I'm. 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 I think I'm really ready. <laughs> I mean, I can get my hands on an extra ticket if need be. Oh, uh, you're going. There's a possibility. I'm actually thinking about going to uh, Shambhala, which is the week, two weeks before. And then uh, I'm trying to talk Ted into it right now, but we'll see. He has some time off around that point. He was talking about, you know, maybe he needs something. Yeah, I mean, that's a hard no. <laughs> oh, see, what we talked about, I think, two weeks it's ago. the week on the after cast. Meltdown. Yeah, that's right. Weekend after Meltdown. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm already taking off the week before, and then Robin is out of t- Like, yeah, sorry. Oh, that's right. You were asking about something to do after whatever your- Right, uh, I have time off after- the end of August, something yeah, like that? Like yeah, like when the, the burn would be going on. Okay. I thought that's when we were going to have the thread meetup. I mean, all right, let's take we this offline. Off off Hello, the podcast. <laughs> when disposing of his waterlogged pornography, oh, I forgot about the story. I couldn't help but imagine Cobb going outside under the, uh, under the veil of darkness after everyone has gone to sleep, lighting a fire in an old barrel, and dis- <laughs> dispassionately throwing each printed page into the fire one by one, forever burning the evidence like the end of an espionage movie. What a great story. Regards, Noble. <laughs> nice. Dude. I like that noble. Yeah, that's pretty much how it went down. <laughs> All right, boys, that's it for emails. All right, I like that. Uh, Matt, check in. Hey, hey what's good? What's Matt? Whoa. Uh, before we get to what's Matt Hey, what's good? What's Matt? Check out what's Matt Hey, what's good? What's Matt Uh, before we get to what's Matt Hey, what's good? What's Matt Check out what's Matt uh, well, it's been a couple weeks, um, but yeah, great weekends have passed. Uh, saw a lot of our friends both weekends. This weekend, we had a baby shower at uh, up at Warren Beach. We talked about it a little bit, and everybody was there, so that was a ton of fun to um, go out there. And then always, uh, always great up there, man. Like, yeah, I got to see Lance two weekends in a row. That's exciting. It's going to be three. He's going to be at Red Festival. Uh, and so, yeah, just been, been on a good run, uh, trying to think we went to discovery park the weekend before and had a great walk around that place. Um, that place is so fun. I feel like I've been there a bunch of times, but I always find new places. It's like, discovery park's awesome. That's why it's called discovery park. Dumbass. Like, Oh, okay. That makes sense now. So, um, and you know what? I like what the Aussies call it. Having a walkabout. (laughs) Walkabout. Yeah. Yeah. Walked about. Um, yeah, and then, uh, let's see, Father's Day happened, so Saturday, Ted's like, man, Matt, every time you go, we go over to your dad's house, like, he's eating like a king, what do you do special for Father's Day? And I was like, I have no fucking idea. Um, and then, but I was like, but I bet he's got it figured out, so I called him Father's Day morning, and was like, hey, uh, what are you, what are we doing? And he's like, oh, I've got it taken care of, so of course he did. <laughs> And I go over, and he just has this giant fucking tomahawk ribeye that was so good. And then, um... Those tomahawks are so good. Yeah. Uh, so, went over there. We took the jet skis out, um, and it was, like, 85 degrees on Father's Day. So, it was just packed out there. There was just wake everywhere, and it was a pretty pretty intense day of uh, of skiing out there. Just because when there's that much... When there's that many giant waves to, to go play around on, um... Yeah, that's that's where I really thrive, and so it's good to be out there with my dad uh, on Father's Day, and yeah, just had a, a great couple weekends. The weather's been good. I'm fired up for everything that's coming up this summer, and yeah, it's a good time of year. Strawberries are fucking out of this world right now. Yeah, Matt's been talking about going to the farmer's market and getting strawberries. Yeah. Ballard? Yeah. Well, I just, see. right, just, but in general, just going to get, like, fresh strawberries. Hell yeah. So Thursday, he's driving me home, I was like, you gotta stop from the place, man. Got some fresh ones, bought them Friday. The guy, the guy, like, literally, I've been harassing this poor Barry guy for like two weeks. And I saw him this fast Friday, and he's like, Got him, man. Picked him this <laughs> Get morning. in here. One for three, two for five. I'll take two. <laughs> yeah. Also, Farmer's Market, I was saying, it's like a weird little drug deal. 
Right? Like, we used to always watch the wire ash and joke about that, but like, one for three, two for five. Like, <laughs> now, you're usually paying in cash, like, Red tops? checking the quality of the product. You got that WMD? <laughs> you definitely, if I was, if we had a produce market, if we had our own produce stand, we would definitely need to give names to our products. Like, these aren't strawberries. They have to be something way more incredible. We've got to brand it. Yeah, right? Yeah. You know? Like, we've got to brand this. I know. The guy got me good. Like, got him this morning, Puyallup, and I was like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> Puyallup has the best ones. I'll take two. Right. <laughs> you said you don't know shit about strawberries, man. I have no, no idea. Don't let him hustle you. Matt just been talking about getting the ones with the ballot market, so I got all fired They're up. They're so good. I will say, in defense, though, they were sweeter than, like, the ones you get at the grocery store. Now, they were tinier and full of dirt. Yeah, they're fresh, man. <laughs> you wash them? Nah, dog, keep it raw. <laughs> that earth tones in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why I like. I want to taste the farmer. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I like I eating, taste the sweat. eating beets and like jicama and stuff because they just taste like dirt. So it makes me feel like I'm eating something super healthy. Like if it tastes like earth, it makes me feel like I did something real healthy. Yeah. <laughs> That's why IPAs taste healthy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry about that, Matt. Oh, no, that's. That was, I mean, yeah, a lot's happened because it's been two weeks. I had a weird thing. This wasn't on the week. I don't remember when the hell it was. But um, a guy and his girlfriend were running, like, coming at me. And I started checking out his, he had a cutoff Mighty Ducks t-shirt that looked like one of the green jerseys from the first movie with Bombay 66 on the back. And I just thought it was the coolest fucking thing. And I was totally staring at this guy's awesome cutoff shirt. And then, like, as they kind of passed, he looked at me like he thought I was, like, staring at his girlfriend the whole time. And I just wanted to be like, by the time I processed it, they're too far away. I didn't want to be awkward. Be like, I was looking at your shirt, not your girlfriend. USA, but- all the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt like kind of a tool. Was what was Bombay's by? first name? Gordon. Gordon. Gordon, Gordon Bombay. Excuse me. Excuse me, <laughs> oh, dude, we were talking about the Mighty Duck Man last week. Uh, Emilio, that Emilio! guy you know, Emilio Estevez. <laughs> but I always yell Emilio because of... Swear uh, to God. Uh, right? Night at the Roxbury. Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> yeah, dude, totally. That became like a cult classic. And I saw that in theaters. And like I remember nice. it, like no one really cared when it came out. Because I used to be like kind of a weirdo. I'd like read the newspaper a lot and like check how movies did and like... You know, try and stay up to date with like the the charts that you could track or whatever, and it didn't do very well. And now, like everybody quotes it everywhere, and I'm like, Fuck yeah, I was there in the theaters. I was like, blown away because one of the, in like the party scene, you can see girls tits in like uh, the hot tub or whatever. Which, you know, for PG thirteen, when you're like thirteen, that's a huge deal. So, yeah, yeah some of the, I feel like the the like the cult comedies I watch the most like were never big in theaters. Right, like old school is great, but that was massive in theaters. But I, I don't watch that one randomly. But if I saw like Dewey Cox, like the Walk Hard story was on, like I'm gonna watch that. Speaking of cool classics, I finally saw the D- Disaster Artist, and that was like really intense, very funny, but very uncomfortable. In a lot of parts, <laughs> dude. Also, speaking of hot chicks in movies, what's that movie? So like knowing Eliza like douche coup. where, <laughs> knowing where in the movie, like the PG-13 movie that you happen to see nakedness. What was that movie? That's um. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lee Curtis, and True he's lies. like, True thank lies. you. Yeah. <laughs> Boom, two of them. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Cable classics. Wait, <laughs> I, I want to go back to 13-year-old Matt. Whatever happened to Emilio Estevez? Like, what is the last thing you can remember that he was in? He got his knee slashed by the Iceland guy. <laughs> Get him in. <laughs> I mean, oh. maybe he, dude, he may have just walked away from it all. I what, don't know. His dad is the Martin Mighty Duck Sheen. His brother is Charlie Sheen. Like, how do you just disappear <laughs> yeah. from the his world? His brother is Charlie Sheen? Yeah. 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 I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. How do you disappear? Where is he? Where's the body, <laughs> he Charlie? He popped back out a couple years ago when? when Charlie Sheen was wilding out, and Emilio Estevez popped out and was like, my brother's crazy. I'm just saying, how do you just disappear like that if he was in movies, he was like, I, Maximum Overdrive was great. You yeah, know, he was huge for a minute. He there. was in some good movies, and then all of a sudden he's just gone. He was dating Paula Abdul for a while. That was like the mid '90s. This is the last thing I remember about this man. Has he done like TV or awards shows or anything? No. Ted, you know, no. he's ready for a comeback. He needs a VH1 reality show. That's how Scott Bayo did it. He needs a sex tape, dude. Or they like no re- VH1 does that for everybody now, man. Well, they're bringing back Top Gun. So what if they just like brought back one of his old movies and he was like the old like um, you know black belt or whatever? You know what movie he'd have to do? Men at Work. 
Oh, I'm glad you know it. I know. That's it him was and a Charlie Sheen, both trash men. Very convincing oh, trash nice. men. Yeah, that was a great. You guys movie. ever seen Repo Man? Of course, we've seen okay, Repo nice. Man. <laughs> also a good movie. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in the way. You guys ready to get into it, cop topic? I'm trying, but Matt's got his hands kind of covered up uh, there. I'm trying to. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Cop topic. All right, so uh, as we talked about on the cast, uh, what was it, last week? I went to Hawaii to do that hike, um, the Kalalau Trail. Ended up, uh, there was a big flood on the island, so road was washed out. We didn't get to do the hike. Uh, Been waiting four years to do it. Applied early for the permit. Not a big deal. So I was there with my family. They all fly out on Saturday, and I flew out on Sunday night. So I had a day to myself, just kick it on the island, do my thing. So I was like, all right, I'm going to cruise over to Hanalei. I'm going to rent a surfboard and go out surfing. And I've been surfing out in... uh, Washington before, like on the Washington coast, which is kind of rough. Um, but basically, you know, I'd always get one of those long, really easy to surf on boards, you know, a long board. So it's like big, it's very buoyant, pretty easy to do. So I was, I had, I had seen all these guys all week, like these cool little surfer dudes and like sexy surfer chicks doing their thing on these little short boards, like tearing it up in these waves. I was like, you know what? Like if ever you're going to graduate up to the smaller, cool looking board, like now's the time. Not thinking like you haven't surfed in five years. You weren't that good in the first place. <laughs> so I, I go to the rental place and the guy's like, hey, man, do you want like, he's trying to show me all the bull longboards. I'm like, no, man, I want that one. I want one of these little guys, the demos. And he's like, all right. So he grabs me one and he's like, I, I got you this one specifically. Just it's, you know, it's a little more buoyant. It's a little easier. <laughs> and, uh, it was like it was short, but it was really thick. So you could tell it was like their beginning like board there's a couple and the telltale sign is a couple big gouges out of it so you know people eat shit on this thing all the time so uh, I grabbed it went over to the beach and I was like all pumped up and it's safe to say I was overconfident dare I say grossly overconfident so after getting pummeled by the waves for about 10 minutes trying to get out to the lineup where all the servers are it's like all right like do I even really want to ride a wave at this point it took me so much effort to get out here so I go to try to stand up on one immediately just smashed against the bottom happens about six more times maybe eight I don't know I come in to take a break and it really dawns on me like man you were you were grossly overconfident here or overconfident here, and so um, the cop topic this week: When has your overconfidence come back to bite you? Feel free to email us, email at thepodcast.com or hit us up on the Twitter machine at the podcast two e's. When has your overconfidence come back to bite you, boys? The first one that comes to mind for me was uh, I could always hit right, but I stopped playing baseball when I was like fourteen. But I was like, ah, I still play softball. I could rip seeds and that, so. A friend of mine that was working for Miller Coors at the time was like, hey, you want to come down to Safeco? Take BP. Like, they're out of town. And I was like, sure. So I've been talking all week, like, probably going to hit one yard. (laughs) (laughs) Like, hell yeah. I'm going yard. This and that. Whatever. Yard at Safeco, not a big deal. Right? Like, we get the hair. I see my buddy Mike from Mike's Chili Parlor. He's back there. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm here to hit a homer. You know, right? Just make sure you can see the field, buddy. Right? So we go out there, and I mean... At best, maybe one rolled at the very end and, like, barely tapped the warning track. But not only could I not, like, hit one out there, I wasn't even close. And I apparently hadn't been to a batting cage in a long time. Like, by the end of the round, it was like I could barely even just, like, swing the bat. And I looked I looked like a fool. Well, that's the thing they always say is, like, you, you know, the more years away from it you get, the better you were. Right. And so you're yeah. looking back like, yeah, 14, man, could have been a superstar. I could have gone in the league, but I decided to take a different path. And so but then, of course, yeah, you go out there. That's why those pros versus Joe's things are always funny. Yeah. I had a similar thing when I was when I first started playing hockey, like ice hockey. And I was just like, I'm just going to teach myself how to ice skate. And then as soon as I like kind of figured out how to stop and could like go up and down at the stick and pucks and it's just like pretending I'm Jeff Carter in the Stanley Cup final and stuff. Like, I would just love to see video of me playing nobody, like shooting the puck maybe 25 miles an hour and just feeling like I'm, I'm in the Stanley Cup final. But it's, it was awesome. Um, but I was also thinking when you were saying that, lately I've been um, just kind of like playing around with reframing things in my life. And I always beat myself up because I'm kind of a procrastinator by nature. And one thing I kind of stumbled on when I was high the other day was like, man, I am really confident in my future self when I keep saying I'll do this shit later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's just brings some, yeah, 
bring some joy to a part of my life where I'm usually pretty hard on myself about. <laughs> I do for sure. <laughs> um, the, probably uh, it was uh, was when I snapped my Achilles tendon. That uh, when that happened, that was when I was the most confident in in my abilities. Uh, that I I really had no business doing. Uh, it was when I'd been I'd been doing a ton of CrossFit. I got back into working out all the time. It'd been like two years. I wasn't drinking a lot. You remember this phase? And uh, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I was just <laughs> done. I mean, I was I was sending just pictures of videos of me just like bench pressing three fifty to ten. Yeah. yeah, just I was on fire. I was killing. It. I loved it. It felt best ever. And uh, I'd gone to start working out with that that really intense personal trainer in that gym. Uh, and, and everyone that worked out there was like professional athletes. I mean, it was like 10, 20% of the people that worked trained there were just civilians like me. Everyone else physically used their body for a job in some capacity, D one athletes, pro sports, pro athletes, all of them. And, uh, it was the greatest thing in the world. I mean, I got in great shape. I really loved it, but my coach convinced me to come in for, they were having their own version of basically like a CrossFit games type day type thing. They had a lot of CrossFit athletes that worked out there and he's like, You've been killing it. You've been doing it for two years. Everyone likes you. You're super fun. You're like this fat mascot. You got to come in. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, that's hurtful, but I'm doing it. And they're like, we just want you to come and compete and be a part of it. I was like, yeah. And I bought some new shoes. I mean, I was feeling good. I got in there. Everyone was like, yeah, it's good you're here. And I was like, I know. And uh, it, the, the events were ridiculous. And I, everyone, there, there was maybe 20 people competing. And I'm not kidding you, 15 of them that were in that room that were doing this like series of routines together uh, actually went on to compete in the CrossFit Games that year in the top 100. It was men and women. And the other part of it that was really bad was at least half of them were women. And they're all way stronger and way faster and way better looking than me. And so I severely injured myself in front of all of them when they convinced me to attempt a triple jump. And for those of you who, who you know, you've never seen me, you don't really look like, the very first thing that the doctor at the ER said to me when I got there after my Achilles tendon snapped, uh, when I j leaped, uh, he actually said, what about your, um, like, why did, why did you think it was a good idea to jump? He's like, what about, like, your body, like, made you think leaping was what you should be doing? It's like, you, you definitely should not have attempted this. He's like, you're, you know, you're in your thirties. You're in really good shape, but you're like 230 pounds and built like a bowling ball. He's like, you decide you're going to leap. What are you, what are you training for? And I was like, man, you are making me feel really bad right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the side story to this that uh, I don't know if I've told him or not, but so he's, yeah, he's built like a bricklayer for people who are <laughs> at home. And so <clears throat> He snaps his Achilles, texts me from the hospital. I walk in to tell my dad, who's a physical therapist. He's sitting there reading the paper casually. And I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, it's kind of crazy. My buddy just snapped his Achilles. Doesn't look up from the paper. He just goes, is he a male between 30 and 38? I was like, yeah, he is. And he goes, huh, classic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, there, there you go. That Episode 224. Uh, Justin, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, of course. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Red Fest is coming up this Saturday. If you don't have tickets, buy them now. You can also buy them at the door. Matt, you'll be down there? I'll be there. All right, correct. So uh, come say hi to Matt and I. We'll both be there. I'm doing a couple songs for new originals. Uh, other than that, I would just say Red Fest, man, that is one to... Later in the evening, that is a long day in the sun. So just hydrate, hydrate, and maybe throw a pace car in there once in a while. <laughs> sunscreen, <laughs> sunscreen. Yeah, people get sunburned. It's gonna be real hot. It's last it, year, it, like rained towards the end. It's good. Yeah, I'm happy it's gonna cool off. Then like like tomorrow and Thursday are gonna be warm. But uh -huh. Friday and Saturday should be a little bit cooler. But either way, I'm just saying that's a long day. There's gonna be no rain like last year to kind of cool you off. Like. <laughs> I, I just don't want to see, you know, fights or nothing like that. Like, don't let these guys cool. scare you. Believe in yourself out there. Have fun. Drink a lot of beers. You know what? <laughs> maybe you live in Eden Clone at your home <laughs> course, right? I don't know. Go out there. Tailgate early. Uh, as always, be diligent, as we all are for 2018. <laughs> all right. For MCTP, for Cobb, I'm Lee Ted Smith. This is the podcast. Cheers. <laughs>